Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. All right, another game week. It's time for one giant step. Your New York Giants podcast for Giants fans. Uh, by a guy who covers the Giants and a big Giants fan. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dottino here. And remember, you can download us anywhere podcasts are available. And, of course, subscribe Odyssey on the free Odyssey app. Subscribe Odyssey on the free Odyssey app. Whatever. That works, Paul. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Good morning, Sean. Doing well? I think uh, Giant Giant, giant Mania is kind of running wild right now. Oh, I don't no doubt. the fans, right, at 4-1. and one? <laughs> and and look, I am not going to run from it. I'm not going to deter from it. Uh, the best giant started since 2009. So, look, there's going to be plenty of times if they have the losses to get down and, and get with that. I'm running with Giant Mania. I'm all a part of it. And, Paul, I'm so glad you said that because as much as we have to get into looking ahead to the matchups, the Wink Martindale revenge game, the Jihad Ward revenge game, everything that goes into Giants-Ravens, we'll have our fantasy reality, our game picks, all of that. It's funny you bring up Giant Mania because I did want to, you know, touch on a couple of things here. With Giant Mania, forget the fans for a second, Paul, comes the national media attention that the Giants have gotten. They are a big story this week. Well, Brian Dayball, you know, when he came down from Buffalo and had the reputation of being the offensive guy who was able to help Josh Allen become an all-pro, was immediately thrust into the spotlight from the day he got this job. Oh, my God, he's going to be the guy who's got to fix Daniel Jones. And it's funny because, yes, he drew a lot of attention when he took the job. The Giants have obviously drawn a lot of attention with their 4-1 and start. But at the same time, I think the ironic part about this thing, Sean, is that the Giants are doing it without a very fancy video game dynamic passing attack. They're actually doing it with old-fashioned, old-school running and having a quarterback who's also obviously like Allen using his legs. But it's it's not a lot of aerial gimmickry, which is really yeah. what the yeah. reputation Dable came, came with. And, and you're right. He is getting the national attention. And I think even Wink's getting some national attention too. For sure, as it should be. And with that, Paul, I wanted to circle on two takes that really struck me when they, you know, surfaced on social media and were said on air. Uh, and and look, we're not looking to bash any media. I know you deal with a lot of them or whatever. The first take is one that I've seen from multiple people, but the one that got a lot of attention around giant circles came from Kim Martin on Get Up, uh, who obviously used to work for Newsday, covers around. And, and her take was basically that this is worst case scenario for the Giants, paraphrasing, paraphrasing, of course, that they should be focusing on losing games and getting a high draft pick. And no fans want to hear that. So, of course, a lot of Giant fans got after it. That video circled the rounds. Uh, I believe that was on Wednesday. Paul, here's the problem with that take. Number one, 
if you've learned anything from watching the Buffalo Bills where Joe Shane came from, was Josh Allen the first overall pick or second overall pick? No, he was the seventh overall pick in a spot where they traded up. Number two, the Giants have operated this season, have gotten off to a four and one start while Evan Neal has struggled as the seventh overall pick, and we expect him to get there, but it's fair to say he struggled at right tackle at times. Kayvon in, the past, Thibodeau, in the past, pro. Yes, yeah, yeah. in the past, pro. I'm, I'm in the game, he's been really good. Paul, and this is not a knock on Evan Neal. It's just to further, you know, hammer home this point, right? Right. The fifth overall pick, pick Kayvon Thibodeau. He's coming on. He's playing well. But they've they've won games and missed had him missed time with an injury. What I've seen is them win games with guys like Dane Belton and Daniel Bellinger, day three picks, be significant parts of their game plan. And I'm saying this to say this. You can win while rebuilding if the coaching is really good. And, oh, by the way, the guys shining right now that are being coached up and being a big part of wins are further proof you don't necessarily need to be getting your full team rebuilt with top five picks and top seven picks. It's okay to have other guys succeed. And I think the focus no longer is about, hey, tank, get the highest pick possible. The Giants should have trust in this coaching staff and in Joe Shane that, if they play themselves out of a top draft possibility, that doesn't matter because they're still going to find quality players in the draft no matter where they're picking. Well, I think there's a TV program called First Take. I think really that comment comes under the category of worst take. Uh, I know Kim. Oh, oh, Paul dropped the mic. She, she, I know Kim. She's a really good reporter, but she really should leave the analysis somewhere else because – that truly was an absolutely off-the-wall kind of comment, which obviously was meant to draw attention and clickbait, and she got that. Uh, great for the station, great for the network, great for her. Her name and the attention's out there, but it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. It would be like going into IHOP and ordering Chinese food. Yeah, well, and that's and my. By the way, my mother's famous for that. She'll go to Applebee's, not just get the burger or something, wonder why the orange chicken sucks. Mom, understand where you are and stick with it. But you're right. That was a rough take. And again, I like him too, but I don't know if there's a need to be different there and feel like everybody's riding high on the Giants. So let me have a different take here. They should be losing. But it's idiotic. The Giants have done enough losing. And oh, by the way, what did all that losing every year do them? Did they get any better on Dave Gettleman when they were doing that? I actually think it goes a long way to establishing a winning culture. Uh, you know, get wins. Get that locker room knowing what it feels like to win, and that's going to do much better for them than making sure you have the first, second, or third overall pick in the draft. So I hated the take. I couldn't stand it. Giant fans hated it. Now, Paul, that being said, there was another take that I found interesting too, and that came from Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback the Giants just saw. He was on the Pat McAfee show this week. And he went above and beyond to talk about how great Wink's defense was, but specifically to mention 97 being Dexter Lawrence saying that is a player that needs to be talked about more in the league. And even said that he talked to his own offensive lineman who flat out told him, hey, Dexter Lawrence is one of the best guys that we've had to handle, one of the hardest guys we've had to handle up front. Dexter Lawrence is being noticed by his peers right now and opponents in the league, and the Giants just may have an all-pro in their hands, Paul. It couldn't come at a better time. You know, they already picked up that fifth-year option back in the spring. So he will be a giant next year for sure. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me about, well, could he get away? Will they even resign him? I said, look, he's already under contract for 23, so you don't have to worry about it. He's already got three sacks and eight quarterback hits, which leads the Giants in both categories. And by the way, the eight quarterback hits is tied with Quinnen Williams of the Jets, for the most quarterback hits in the NFL by a defensive tackle. You know what that means? It's more than Aaron Donald. I'm just saying. 
Yeah. And, and with that, and it shows you what coaching can do, Paul, right? So when you talk about the main reason many of us didn't believe in the Giants win loss wise, not philosophy, not scheme, not scheme, because everybody was all pumped up to see Dable. But win loss wise, we kept talking about talent. And in many ways, the Giants are winning in spite of a lot of it, certainly depth at certain positions. And clearly we see what's going on in the wide receiver room. But you look up on, you start to scan this roster and you think about it. There's a lot of guys having really good years, but the Giants, as it stands through five weeks, might have three all pros this year in Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, and Dexter Lawrence. So while they are deficient at certain positions, suddenly winning and coaching up players does a lot of change. You know, it's hard to keep saying the Giants don't have a lot of talent if by the end of this year you're looking at, hey, they've, if not all pros, all pro candidates at three big positions. Well, you know, it's a shame that Adore Jackson got hurt because I thought he was playing at a very high level. I wouldn't say all pro, Sean, but I would say a very high level nonetheless. I've always said he was worthy of being a cornerback one, and he's proven it this year. Now, I know he's gotten a little bit banged up this past week. We'll see how it goes coming up against Baltimore. We know what Xavier McKinney is. Now, I know he doesn't have the big stats, but he's playing extremely well and certainly should have been an all pro last year. And then, you know, you want to talk about Leonard Williams. This guy now, three weeks because of a sprained MCL, we know he is dying to get on the field. And we also know that the NFL players, according to NFL Network, voted him as the only giant among the top 100 players in the league. So he is – I'm sorry. I know that the anti-Gettleman and anti-Leonard Williams people don't want to admit it, but he is an outstanding defensive lineman. Yeah, he absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, you got to be rubbing. And we still haven't really seen, Paul. We still haven't truly seen. Now we see Kayvon Thibodeau grow for a couple weeks. Ojalari hasn't been healthy enough when he's been out there. He's had spurts. We haven't seen those two together with Dexter Lawrence performing at this level and a healthy Leonard Williams. And that with Wink Martindale can make you, you know, blow. You talk about teams. How do the Niners keep getting to NFC Championship games and Super Bowls? Their wins up front. This is what the Giants are building here, Paul. Suddenly you look up. They got really good interior. Their pass rushers look like, you know, can be really good pass rushers here. So with that, Paul, we kind of look at the injuries. And again, as we always like to tell you, depending on when you're listening to this, where you're listening to this, and thank you for listening to this. We are recording this on Thursday morning, so we don't have Thursday's injury report yet. But coming off of what we saw Wednesday afternoon, it feels like at least from afar, Paul, of all these banged up guys, some of them limited in practice, Leonard Williams at least his quotes I saw you gave to Paul Schwartz. Uh, this seems like Leonard Williams thinks he's going to be ready to go for Baltimore. Well, he really hoped that he was going to be ready to go last week, uh, uh, you know, in London against Green Bay. So he was inching ever so closer. I got to believe that he's got to be even closer than he was then. Yeah. So, yeah, why wouldn't you believe that he's going to play this week? Again, I want to stress that guy will chew nails for breakfast. Okay, the only reason he has not gotten in the lineup is because they're throwing this huge knee brace on him at practice every day, and it's very cumbersome. The same thing that Thibodeau's got on his sprained MCL, okay? It has hampered both players. It has inhibited them. They're not able to do everything they want and get the explosion and the push that they want, but Thibodeau was back far enough that they didn't feel he could injure himself more, and that's why he was allowed to get back on the field. The trainers are insisting to Leonard Williams, knowing the kind of player he is and how he plays, that he needed to be protected from himself. And that's why they've held him out. But I I do think that, that he will play this week. 
Yeah, and with that, look, um, I think the other guy that people really, really are curious about, Paul, and again, maybe by the time you're listening to this, you know one way or another, it's Wandell Robinson, right? Because we keep talking about the wide receiver room. and. Yeah. It, it's it's funny because I think Giant fans, because of what happened versus Green Bay, kind of look at the pedestrian names in the wide receiver room and are like, I, you know what, that's fine. We beat the Packers, we'll be okay. But you think about it and you salivate what the Giants have salivate over what the Giants have been able to do with some of these rookies from the rookie class, and it feels like we we don't even realize or fathom what they may be able to do schematically with a chess piece like piece like Wandell Robinson. That is a part of the offense that you just hope can come back soon, maybe as early as this week, and maybe not. Have expectations set sky high because the wide receiver positioned and and learning the playbook and everything but that's just a different speed element that this offense could use Robinson again another guy thought he was only going to miss two weeks and and he's gone and missed more than that now that's a surprise to him Uh, I don't necessarily know if there was a setback but maybe his progress was just a lot slower than they had expected and so now here we are looking at this Ravens game with him still being limited and the hope that maybe he'll be able to make it. I will say this. The contributions they got out of Darius Slayton last week, obviously coming back from the dark side, and and Marcus Johnson, you know, the former Colt, who we mentioned, by the way, last week on the podcast, that this guy could wind up getting some burn. Uh, That was valuable. He had three catches in the game. Yeah, yeah, and and by the way, played the most snaps of any giant wide receiver in the game as well. All right, so Paul, as it stands as of Thursday morning, before hearing Dave speak on Thursday, before hearing the injury report, do you have any gut feels on guys that we know are banged up, stock up or stock down on where we're trending towards Baltimore? No, you know, Sean, I, I don't I really hesitate to guess at this point because like I said, I I've I've been mis misdiagnosing Robinson and Leonard Williams for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I really don't even want to take a guess at this point because yeah. I just think that the, these injuries seem to have been very much along that shady area where they could or they couldn't. And I think in all honesty, we've probably seen a number of legitimate Saturday night decisions with several of these players to where on a Thursday morning, I don't think Dave even knows for sure which of these guys is going to go. And that makes sense, and it's impossible. So as we look ahead to this week, first of all, you want to see how times have changed in New York. The Jets are playing the Packers, and they get the Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson team of the number one team on Fox. The Giants are playing the Ravens on CBS, and they're getting the Iron Eagle, Charles Davis, number two team on CBS. Suddenly, uh, you know, New York football, you're getting some, you know, some of the premier announcers from the packages, which is unbelievable. But we look ahead, Ravens, Sunday, 1 o'clock CBS. I think what everybody is going to look towards, and of course, Ravens, another team like the Packers, poor run defense. You hope Saquon's involved early and often. But really what this comes down to, and I think a debate I know I've been having with friends of mine as well, and I know it's been big in giant circles. Who gets the edge in terms of familiarity, is it Wink Martindale having the edge practicing against Lamar Jackson for all those years? Or is this the one quarterback that Wink Martindale is going to face that has a little bit of the edge because he's seen Wink in some of his schemes in practice every day? Do you give edge Lamar or edge Wink when it comes to this kind of game? Huge edge to Wink. And it's not even close. This is not a debate, Sean. It's not even a debate. What, Lamar, you, Jack- what Lamar Jackson knows... He knows Wink Martindale's philosophies. What he does not know is how they apply necessarily to these players that he's using right now. What Wink knows is not just Lamar Jackson, 
He knows everything about every offensive lineman and all of the different players who are part of the Ravens offense. He knows about Dobbins. He knows about Duvernay. He knows about all those guys. He also knows about all of the defensive holdovers around the Ravens team. Think about how many players on the Baltimore Ravens roster Wink knows about, when in reality, the only way it works the other way is one-on-one. Lamar knows Wink. So, no, massive advantage, massive to Wink Martindale. So I, I've sided with you on that, and I've heard a lot of the debate. Well, it cuts both ways. I don't think it does. does and I think it? also what we've learned and what we've learned to love from Wink Martindale from a Giants fan perspective is that no two defensive game plans for six weeks have been the same or through five weeks have been the same, right? Because we know that he's aggressive, and he, we know he likes to the play. <laughs> they rarely have the same players every week. Right, well, that's right, Exactly. <laughs> So you want to tell me, oh, he likes the blitz. Well, did he versus Chicago when they were running the ball like that? They did late versus Green Bay. But there's no way of knowing week to week what the heck Wick Martindale is going to do. So I have a hard time thinking that Lamar Jackson suddenly comes in and rolls in and knows exactly the way Wink wants to play him. Oh, by the way, it's one thing to practice against Wink. It's another thing for Wink to have game planned for you, Lamar Jackson, which he never game planned for him in practice. Yeah, I, and, and the other thing is, too, remember, we've seen how adaptable Wink is with what I call the kaleidoscope defense. Well, if he's got 25 different variations to the kaleidoscope defense, you may know that he's got 25. But which one's he going to pick on that day? Right. And which right. one's he going to pick in that half or that quarter? Just because you may know doesn't mean you're still going to be able to guess right and deal with it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Now, Paul, when we last taped our podcast, we were doing it following uh, Kyler Murray's idiotic move versus the Eagles. I keep looking at my paper here. The Cowboys, obviously their win versus the Rams. And you were preparing yourself as I was. We're going to get into Ram uh, to the Ravens and Bengals. We got to watch that game live Sunday night football. Was there anything that you watched from the Ravens last Sunday that stuck out to you that you think the Giants have a real opportunity to take advantage of here? Well, Again, I I think the thing that everybody who knows anything about the Ravens uh, understands a couple things. Number one, their pass defense is is not very good. I mean, forget about the stats and the rankings. I'm not going there. I'm going by what I see on the tape. The, The pass defense is, unfortunately for the Giants, that's the real Achilles of the Ravens' defense, and the Giants are not really right now a very strong passing team. I I feel bad because, you see, the Packers' rush defense wasn't very good, and the Giants were able to take advantage of that. Well, here's the problem. The match match doesn't fit here for what the Giants do well. So so that's disappointing. Well, but Um, Paul, Paul, they've had a lot of trouble stopping the run all year, the Ravens. They're right at the bottom of the league stopping the run as well. Yeah, yeah, I know the numbers indicate that, but but here's the thing. I look at their players – and Patrick Queen is about as athletic sideline to sideline off the ball linebacker as you're going to find. He can he can do things. He's led the team in tackles for the first two years of his career, uh, and and he's legit. So I look at their front seven and I say to myself, I think they're still weaker in the secondary than they are in the front seven. Okay, and that's fair. And and obviously Marcus Williams' injury is going to play a part. So with no that, he's not IR. With that, the guy, the guy that we've talked about for weeks, finally broke through here. Is this the potential to be the big Darius Slayton game here? Wow, 
That's <laughs> can we get Slayton over a hundred yards receiving in this game? And he came close. You know, I'd love to see it. I I I know this. Um, he worked extra hard last week. We talked about that already on one of our previous programs. It paid off for him, and and he came up big the other day against Green Bay. I would like nothing more than to see that ball roll downhill, pick up speed, and have Darius Slayton become a significant part of this offense again. Can I say that with any confidence? No, I can't. I can't because that's one game compared to a whole month when he was not a big part of it. And even when he was in there, Sean, he didn't look very good. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. And on the other no, side of the ball. I'm a show-me guy. You got to show me. Paul is a show-me guy. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Paul, our old friend Landon Collins on Wednesday was practicing with the inside linebackers. At least that was what it appeared to the media. Do we expect to see Landon Collins this week on the field in a giant uniform? Well, his conditioning is not up to par, Sean. Now, okay, if they okay. do activate him, it would be for a very limited package. At least that's my expectation. I talked to him yesterday. Uh, he did a lot of extra conditioning drills here because he is not exactly where he wants to be physically to be able to go out there and compete for a lengthy basis. Uh, could he get on the field for 10 snaps in a certain package? I suppose that's possible. Remember now, we're looking at that injury report, and Tony Jefferson, who has been elevated to the 53, was out. Yeah. And and that's that's the role that you would think Collins might fit in. So my answer to you is logically it's possible he would have a small package. Physically, I'm just not sure that he's ready for it or how much they'd be able to give him. All right, can I also give you an outlier, worst-case scenario theory I have for the Giants this week? Uh, what transpired, and we have no idea, but it appears Jamie Gillen's back, right? Yeah, back. well, he was supposed to have come in last night. I have not seen him or talked to him since. Okay, so we're under the assumption he's going to be back. Paul, now we start looking at the reverse of what we talked about when you leave for London, right? We're on Thursday. Jamie Gillen has spent a week out in London on that clock. Boy, am I a little concerned that his sleep is going to be all out of whack and we have some kind of miscue in the punting game that freaking <laughs> determines what could be a tight game Sunday, Paul. I am so worried that this passport issue is just being, oh, look, it's funny. Jamie Gillen got left. He's coming back. I am so worried his body clock is going to be thrown off, snapped through the hand, something like that, and then it freaking changes the game Sunday. Now, Sean, on one hand, I appreciate the fact that you're bringing up special teams because I value special teams probably more than any other media person in this market. However, if Jamie Gillen's lack of sleep worries you more than Lamar Jackson's legs, we have a problem. <laughs> well, well, I think I think Lamar Jackson's legs are always going to worry me. But that showed, Paul, I am more confident. I am more confident in Wink Martindale knowing how to figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson than I am confident that Jamie Gillen's body is going to be ready to roll on Sunday. I am very concerned about that. <laughs> I understand. I, and, and by the way, in all honesty, I have not looked into who the punter would be if for some reason there was some kind of mishap and Gillen was available, unavailable to kick. I have not, I have not yeah. checked that out yet. Every giant fan friend or, or anybody interacts with me on social media that I've seen talk about this kind of like had a good time with it. And I am like thinking about the absolute worst possibility with this stupid passport issue. Okay. With that, uh, it's time to look ahead officially to the game. We'll play our little fantasy versus reality, the reality of how the Giants can win, your fantasy play, plus game picks, predictions, and whatnot. Paul, you know what? I always go for so selfish of me. I'm going to let you lead it off this time. 
Well, Lamar Jackson, if you have watched his throwing, and you saw it again the other night, he has some inaccuracy issues. And in fact, he throws not only wide and high and, quite frankly, gives you interceptable passes. Don't say it, Paul. Don't say it. I'm I'm waiting for it. We need a pick here this week. He he does this on a semi-regular basis. I'm giving the Giants defense two interceptions. Hot damn. They are the only NFL team this year that does not even have one interception. They get two this week, and just maybe Julian Love gets both. Two picks for Julian Love? Paul DeTino, you smug son of a bitch. How about that? Let's go. I love it. I love it. I'm dying for an interception. You're right. It's so crazy that they haven't had that. So play the Giants defense in fantasy, Paul, if you think they're going to have a couple picks. Yes, for sure. I I, I just I, I feel it in my bones. I think Wink Martindale is going to have these guys ready for everything and anything that Lamar throws at them. I think they're very much aware of his errant passes. And uh, I do think they're going to be they're going to be hungry for that football. Okay. All right. So is that both plays? That's the reality and the fantasy for you. You think the defense is big. The fantasy plays the defense. I like take it. it. I'll go with it. Take All right. It. We'll take it. Uh, the reality of this game is very, very, very much the reality of every game for the Giants. It's keep riding Saquon until the wheels fall off, baby. I think that they will give it to Saquon, feed him. Uh, I don't necessarily buy in that the stats aren't the full story. I think that Saquon also is on another level now where he's going to start to make other run defenses look bad. I don't think it's a matter of running Saquon and saying, well, there's a good defensive front. It's going to be tough to break through. I think Saquon right now is operating at a level where he could break through any defensive front, and I think the Giants' blocking schemes are operating on that level. So I think you will get 70-plus yards from Saquon on the ground. Uh, on a fantasy level, you you know, we I mentioned it. I kind of teased it. I think the Giants are going to hit a deep ball to Darius Slayton that goes for seven in this game. I, I really do. I think his speed was so much a factor, but he was running a lot of crossing routes on Sunday. I am reminiscing of some of the old Daniel Jones to Slayton connections. I, I harpen back to that Monday nighter versus Pittsburgh in the opener. I think you get a connection. We haven't really seen a big deep ball hit since that Sterling Shepard week one ball. I think that you're getting Darius Slayton past that defense. It's a little weak in the secondary for Baltimore, and we're going to get a deep ball play, and Darius Slayton is dancing in the end zone this week for seven. Yeah, I I could definitely see it. I hope for the Giants' sake that that comes to pass because, again, I think Darius Slayton needs to get rolling here. I mean, Kenny Galladay still has the sprained knee. He's not practicing. I don't necessarily know when or if he's ever going to be able to show what he really is again here. But, but if Darius Slayton can resuscitate his career and be the guy that they know he can be, it would go a long way into making this a very fun second half of the season. All right, Paul. And with that, we have to give our game picks. We both had the Giants losing a week ago to the Green Bay Packers. How dumb were me? How about the homers that we are? We picked the Giants to lose, and they won the game. Unbelievable. Paul, what do we got for you on your game prediction? I'm going to go Ravens 23 to 20. I think that Jeez, the Giants. What I a think negative the, ball. <laughs> well, here's the problem. I just don't trust the injury report, Sean. True, true. I, I believe the Giants, the Giants straight up win this game because of the tremendous advantage that I'm giving Wink Martindale over Lamar Jackson and company. But the game is not being played straight up. As we sit here taping this program, There are too many ifs and buts and question marks and gray areas. I am so sick of this freaking injury report. I can't even begin to tell you. It's making me sick. 
I'm afraid I'm going to get injured just sitting here talking to you. So well, consequently, do, do that, Paul. no, I, I, I hope I don't. So consequently, I'm going to say that that Tucker, who's got a robotic leg and could probably kick an 80-yard field goal in the final seconds, uh, will allow the Ravens to escape 23-20. to 20. I can't kill you for that pick. I mean, I know I'm having fun with you. I can't kill you for that. Uh, that being said, I circled this game three weeks ago more than the Packer game. I had Giants winning this game, and I like them 27 to 19. Uh, I think they win this game by like eight points or so, and I think the world doesn't know what to do with itself on Monday morning because the Giants have won the game. Uh, it doesn't mean they can't turn around and lose to Jacksonville, but here's the truth. We're so fixated as we should be, right, on the Giants' problems. We are one giant step. The Ravens' problems are sneakily real. Now, Lamar Jackson covers up a lot of deficiencies, but that's a coaching staff that just two weeks ago was getting called out by its own players for some of his aggressiveness that's blown up in his face. And, oh, by the way, don't look now. The Giants are really good on third and fourth downs if you're trying to go for it. That's going to have a hard time. I think they will have a hard time converting some of those if the play calls aren't necessarily the smartest out of Harbaugh and the Ravens. Also, on, on that note, too, you know, last week, it didn't feel like suddenly they woke up versus the Bengals. I think the Bengals have had serious issues. And probably the lastly, the thing that keeps the Ravens, to me, from being a Super Bowl contender in that in that AFC is they really don't have that dynamite pass-rushing stud to go after you and get you. They just signed no. JPP, and he played last week, by the way, wearing the number four or whatever. JPP looked ridiculous in a single-digit number. <laughs> but if you're relying on JPP signed, you know, to come off the edge and, and you know, years just later from what he's been. Yeah, Justin Houston, these are older bodies. I don't think the Ravens are going to prevent that mismatch front that the the Giants have struggled with. You saw versus Dallas, where I think Daniel Jones is going to have a little more time here, and I think he's going to navigate his way. I think the Giants' defense will show up. Wink will play chess, and I think the Giants' offense has a little something humming here. I think the Giants going to win this game 27-19, Paul. I, I, I could see it, Sean. Again, I think if the Giants are able to get a number of these guys on the injured list healthy enough, that they can go out there Sunday and play with a semblance of what they're supposed to be able to do. I'm telling you, I, I agree. I think the Giants will win the game. I just can't say that on Thursday morning with all these guys listed on the uh, on the Red Cross sheet right now. All right, well, I'm just telling you right now, if the Giants win the game 27-19, I get the score right. I'm having Schmelk throw you in the pool in Jacksonville next week, and then uh, away we go. <laughs> as long as there's no alligators in it, I'm okay. <laughs> all right, Paul, where can we catch you on Twitter all week? At Giants WFAN. And remember, keep up with Paul for all the latest injury notes, everything from the press conferences, everything. At Giants WFAN, like he said. You can follow me at Mraz, CBS, M-R-A-Z, CBS. And thanks, as always, for taking one giant step with us.